for launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Sight. I must be louder. And site expert Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is going to be a bummer. But if they win, it's going to be a party. This DJ is so funky, man. Okay, let's go. The Cleveland Browns went in the week five needing a win. Instead, they fall to 0-5. They blew five scoring chances. I'm Stephen Kabitza here with the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. I'm joined by Andrew Seip who got to watch this game coming back from vacation. Andrew, did this game ruin your vacation? I hope it didn't. Uh, it didn't ruin the vacation. It ruined the flight home, that's for sure. Because sitting in between two people in, a t- in tight quarters isn't enjoyable to start with, let alone watching the Browns turn the ball over in the red zone twice, or three times technically, is just even <laughs> even more frustrating. Two missed field goals, a interception, Inside the 10, I believe, a fumble on an option play inside the 10, and a turnover on downs on a fourth and two at the four-yard line. Four of these came in the first half. I the missed field goals, the fumble, and the pick. I thought they were past this, honestly. I mean, I get that they've turned it over early on in the season, but if that's got to be something that's changed. We didn't even see that from last year's team, and that's easily the, the biggest reason why they haven't been able to hold a lead so far. I mean, they should have been up. At least fourteen points there in the first quarter. Well, they half. did get their first lead. <laughs> and they seven they, to three after halftime. They should have got it like on the first drive. I mean, they had so many opportunities, and I, I get that this team is young, but <clears throat> I see young players all the time that are able to score touchdowns and kick field goals. I, I don't know if this team has the yips or what, but they got to figure out how to put points on the board. The missed field goals. There's only so much you could talk about them. It's either. They need need to decide if they want Gonzalez there. I think they're going to keep him at least for another week. But when it comes to the other turnovers, we'll start with, I think, the first two, the ones that came in the first half, the option and the interception. Even with all these mistakes, the Browns went in the halftime down 3 nothing after a 57-yard field goal that was drilled by the Jets, showing what even a remotely competent football team can do. But when you're, you're the Browns and you make those like four mistakes – or more mistakes, but four missed scoring opportunities. Even though it was three nothing, did you have any confidence that they'd win the game in the second half? No, I th- I think the reason this game was as close as it was, <clears throat> and in looking in hindsight, you know, thank God they weren't playing someone like Deshaun Watson and the Texans. You know, you can't up this uh, Sunday. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a nice tune-up game for them. It, you can't make this many mistakes in one game let alone in just the first half against any decent team like we yeah we get that the Jets pretty much abandoned the run to let Josh McCowan throw it all over the field but I think the defense played well but again it was not against some juggernaut offense you know they're not a very good football team and the fact that the Browns still weren't able to capitalize on numerous opportunities against a subpar football team I just don't see where they're going to be able to convert these types of opportunities moving forward which it could be we could be in for another rough season. Let me give you the game drive chart for the first half just to show what kind of game this was. Jets yep. three and out, Browns three and out, Jets three and out, Browns drive all the way down the field, fumble, Jets punt, Browns miss field goal, 
Jets interception. I mean, I, I'll Browns stop you right down the there. field interception, and it's, it goes on. Yeah, it's not like that. They played a bad football game. Like they did. You know, I picked them in the dog pound daily pick them pool, and this came on like Saturday after or Friday or Saturday. I don't remember. A revelation I in was, Denver. Yeah, I was uh, probably tasting too many strong IPAs, <laughs> but no, I. I Look, going into the game, I, I know the Jets are not very good in terms of having an offensive line. They're not a very good team in running the ball, and they have a pretty rough running defense as well. And the Browns were able to exploit that with a pretty decent game overall on the ground, whether it's quarterbacks or running backs. I thought with Miles Garrett coming back, they would be able to get some pressure and make force Josh McCown into some turnovers that that give the Browns favorable field position. And if the Browns can control the clock with the running and uh, just an average running back. You know, they can put together some of those longer drives and, and really control the game versus having those three and outs that we saw last week against Cincinnati. And they did that. They just weren't over to weren't able to overcome their own shadow, I guess, in the red zone. And let's be honest, the Jets, they're three and two, but they're still pretty bad. They're playing the Patriots this week. They've beaten the Dolphins, the Jags, and the Browns to be three and two. But the thing is they're bad. Relatively to the to everyone, but the Browns are worse. Are so bad that it kind of shows the way they were playing against the Jets. They couldn't even overcome them. No, and that's, so how how are they supposed to beat the Green Bay Packers in November or think, even the Texans yeah. this weekend with even without JJ Watt? It's not even they're not even in the same universe. You know, you watch that game Dallas and Green Bay. It's like watching a completely different source of football. Uh, the Browns. <clears throat> And I, I give Hugh Jackson credit, I guess, for some of the, you know, he senses, he's got the sense of urgency that he needs to win a football game. You know, you can't go 1-20 as a coach and preach the same message to players that <clears throat> you know what you're talking about. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to put this ball in Sashi Brown's court. Um, I, I think that this is more on the personnel that he's being surrounded with versus uh, some of the some of the coaching decisions that are made. But that's not to take Hugh Jackson off the hook either. Yeah, I was listening to some talk radio today, talk sports radio, sports talk radio, however you'd like to phrase it. But all the callers, usually callers, are very livid. They're angry. Maybe because it was Monday, everyone was a little more chill. But not one person was saying Hugh Jackson should be fired. We don't think he should. It's always it's coming back to the personnel moves because Hugh Jackson has to go out there and you see the team he's been given and he's and every small move is amplified. It's oh well he didn't you know he didn't kick the field goal on fourth and two he he went for it. Okay, well I'd say most coaches in this situation probably would have went for it. Yeah, his I, kicker missed two field goals and then he has Kevin Hogan in at quarterback. Yeah, I don't disagree with the decision <clears throat> to go for it on fourth down there. You know, the, the way the defense was playing, like you said, it was absolutely lights out. You know, and the Jets not having run the ball well at all to that point, you know, you back them up to their, their own two, three-yard line, get some pressure in there. You know, you could find yourself with a nice fumble recovery in the end zone, safety. You know, it, that's not a play. It's easy to say in hindsight because or complain about it because you know that he missed the field goal. But – they had two other chances in that earlier in that game to make to make his mark, and he he did fail to capitalize on it. So, I have no no issues with Hugh not going for the field goal there. The only real gripe I think a lot of people have against Hugh Jackson is the fact that they, people want him to have an offensive coordinator. They think he's uh, has too much on his plate, but 
it's not like he's the only one working with the offense, you know? Like, yeah. he has people—I I don't think people understand that, or maybe they do, because even if he has an offensive coordinator, yet he still calls the plays. I'm sure that's how it is basically right now. Yeah. It's not like he's standing there by himself solely making these decisions. He has so many people, all the position coaches doing work with him. Maybe having a coordinator would help, but I don't think it would make any huge difference right now. No, I don't I don't think that's an issue. I, I Like you said, there's he's not the only one in the offensive room, you know, coaching the wide receivers and, and, and everybody involved. You know, he's got offensive assistants and, and a quarterback's coach. So... Plus, he's probably got Greg Williams doing that exact same thing on the defensive side of the ball because, you know, Hugh Jackson probably brought in Greg Williams for that exact reason. You know, give me this guy who's been doing it for 17 plus years and let him run the defense that he wants. So I don't think that's an issue. I think he does have an issue with some clock management. The Browns seem to be running out of timeouts well before the middle of the third and fourth quarters. So that's a little alarming. I think he took one right before he pulled or right when he feel, pulled the field goal team off, correct? And then the other was... Um, he took two really early. Yeah, I forget I don't remember the where the second was. one was, but I believe it was in the third I think it quarter. was on the goal line. It was some... It, again, it was just another early spot to have a timeout where, you know, a young team, yeah, there's going to be issues, but these are, these are things that you go over and practice every week. You know, it's not something that is foreign to these guys, and it's still frustrating to see these mental mistakes happen week in and week out. And also, why was the kicking unit out there if they weren't supposed to be out there? What, what was the communication breakdown? And that's something that just can't happen either. Yeah, that, that could be on Hugh Jackson or Chris Tabor, who somehow survived every single coach firing forever. He must, be, he must have sold his soul to the devil. He's like Varys in Game of Thrones. Yeah. He's just always going to be there <laughs> for the just, Game of Thrones fans out there. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a job in football forever. However, you have to work for the Browns where you're, you'll never see a winning season ever. I think that's probably the deal that he made. You know how many people in Cleveland would take that in a second? A lot, probably. (laughs) I would. It'd be a lot of fun. We both would. But yeah, with back to Hugh Jackson. He's he's probably locking for a source because he's the only one that's been there for that long. Oh, wow. Just opening a can of worms here on the uh, Dog Pound (laughs) Daily podcast. Back to Hugh (laughs) and his decision making. It's like we, the point I made a little bit ago. It's that the team, the roster is so bad that these small decisions, it's Hugh blew it here or this happened here. It's But look at the roster. Look how young the whole team is. Most of the team could be in grad school right now. It's not that the roster, yeah, it's bad to an extent. Obviously, we, we've talked about the wide receivers, the secondary, but we did see some bright spots in David Njoku. You know, Ricardo Lewis had a good game receiving. It's It's just the fact that they continue to cut these veteran players that just know how to win or, you know, that's, they're a big reason why teams are able to make that jump. Like you see the Detroit lions, you know, they're able to bring in rookies, uh, but they, they continually get better every year. Yeah. They don't, you know, they don't win in the playoffs as much as they should or could, but it's still, you can't build a team with all rookies because they don't know left from right. You know, you've got to have some veterans in there, uh, just to show them the ropes and, and just clo- show them the ability to close out a football game versus looking what happened on Sunday. It's almost like Sashi Brown in that group, they they want to have the the minimum amount of veterans they think needed. So there's Joe Thomas for the whole <laughs> offensive line. McCordy, but Kenny. It's just frustrating because you have like someone like McCordy comes in. He's playing well. Yeah. He's a veteran. He's I, he's one of and, the best players on the defense right now. But he's 
they brought him in. It's like, oh, well, we have McCordy now. We have our veteran back there. So, like, you keep Joe Hayden. You have McCordy. Even if Joe Hayden's not going to play, he he would have played, but not as maybe not as much as starting. Is it really going to be bad to have the captain of the defense back there? Or on offense, having a Josh McCown-type quarterback in the room, even if it's Brock Osweiler, I maybe I don't. We don't know, but I really doubt Brock Osweiler would have been a huge distraction if they didn't start him and kept him this year. Yeah, because he's backing up in Denver anyway. Exactly, he's doing the exact same thing that he would have been doing here. Maybe he doesn't like that role. I think he, maybe he just wants to be back in Denver versus you know not playing for the Browns, which I think anybody would take at this point. But like you said, it's it is kind of weird that they only have one veteran per position group, essentially. And that's not necessarily something that you want to do because you're putting a lot of I think a lot of unneeded pressure on these rookie guys that they don't again, they you're trying to pull something from these guys without really knowing what you have to start with. You know, you're throwing them in just like Kaiser. You're throwing them in really without any you're just like, here, go play. And if you can play great, if not, you know, we'll see you. And I think that's not a really good way to build confidence of players, especially as we've seen so far in Hugh Jackson's tenure being one in 20. It seems like they're trying to do a rebuilding strategy that just doesn't apply to football. Like in baseball, you can do this because you'll have a bunch of young guys who really don't know any better and they'll well, just you play every day. Hey, I mean, it's like yeah. there's 162 games to get yourself. And it's not as much baseball and even basketball to an extent. It's a lot of just go out and play ability will win out but in football you can have a bunch of really talented young guys who just get out schemed every week and they just don't know the ways of the nfl yet and it's just too complex to say oh well 42 of our team players on the roster or whatever are you know not even 25 years old but you bring up a good point it it baseball there's also a lot more familiarity you know you, you could see the same pitcher and you're in the division or whatever four or five times a year you know that's plus you're seeing them two three four times a game you you kind of understand you know there's only so much to keep in mind too oh yeah and everything in the nfl is changing year to year it's nfl for a reason not for long so it's almost like it's kind of unfair of these guys to be thrown out there and say hey you better prove in the next two years that you're good on a on an owen you know or one in 20 franchise it, it it's just a little bit concerning to me because we haven't really seen the results on, on the field that we thought we would. I don't want to beat this point to death, but just kind of to wrap it up, even just having a guy like a McCown or a Hayden on the team, they can eat like for the Browns, they're going to Houston. They just have some sense of, Oh, well, keep in mind this, 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 these rookies go down and it's their first time in the stadium. <laughs> They've never been there and they don't know. And they show up and Hugh Jackson has to, it's like they made Hugh Jackson, like the front office made Hugh Jackson the team captain. Yeah. Like, okay, well, not only are you the head coach, but you also have to manage all the smaller stuff that a veteran could do. And I think it's impossible for Sashi Brown to sit there and say, oh, well, you're not coaching the players well enough. I don't think the players are, you know, I don't think there's many teams that can win with, with this support, this current supporting cast. So I think there needs to be. Just a, a wake up call if there already hasn't been uh, with the the talent and uh, the talent acquisition on this roster. We even saw with Bryce Treggs, who was a, a decent surprise coming out of the wide receiver group, targeted pretty heavily in the first half by Deshaun Kaiser. You know that's a guy that Hugh Jackson was familiar with and went out and wanted to go get, and he seemed to make an impact right away. And I've said it before with him, I think having more influence on the draft picks this previous year, 
it's just I, 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 I'm trusting each week less and less Sashi Brown's ability to, to evaluate talent. And it was evident with the kicker competition. Again, Cody Parkey hasn't missed a field goal yet this year. And we know Zane Gonzalez is off to, Two a, rocky, five. Off to a rocky start. So I want to talk about a very common topic here that I really wish we didn't have to talk about. A quarterback controversy. Week five. Do you think that right now there is a controversy for this Sunday's game in Houston? I do. I do think that there is a quarterback competition. I've been a, a big Deshaun Kaiser fan uh, since day one. I thought, you know, he, he provide, did a lot of things in the preseason or brought a lot of ability to the offense that hasn't been, hasn't been here ever. Uh, but he hasn't really executed or the game hasn't slowed down enough for him yet. So I think uh, it, it's time for Kevin Hogan to play. I'm not saying the rest of the year that Deshaun Kaiser is no longer the guy, but I think it's time for him to step back a little bit and just you know see it from afar and understand where he's lacking and where he needs to be in order to make this football team competitive. Um, so that's I, I think Kevin Hogan should be the guy, at least for next week. You know what's interesting is the fact that Cody Kessler remains – doesn't inactive for these games and he was the one who had the most starting experience out of the whole group yeah i think another testament to sashi brown's uh talent evaluation here but i just think kevin hogan brings a good comfortable you know the moment isn't too big for kevin hogan he comes in like it like he was just in the last drive like he's in a rhythm already and it's it's fun to watch him sit back in the pocket because i think where kaiser lacks he's a little too indecisive he 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 gets out of the pocket rather quickly and i don't think he sees the field as well right now versus a guy like kevin hogan i'm kind of swayed to your side of saying kevin hogan should start but only if they still work with Deshaun Kaiser like he's the starter, so he's getting the same work. Obviously, he can't get the same amount of reps in practice, but he's still preparing for the game like the starters. But he just, yeah, he does need some time just to sit and watch because he came in week three of the preseason. It was, all right, you're the starter now. Okay. Um, and then week one, oh, you're playing Pittsburgh. And this every week he's making more mistakes because he's seeing everything for the first time. He didn't play a lot of college football. Mm-hmm. And when he did, he made a lot of mistakes and then he comes out, probably wasn't ready to start, starter, and now he's, you texted me about it yesterday, it's like a Tim Couch situation. And you don't want to see him get completely ruined, his confidence completely destroyed, which I do think it was good that Hugh Jackson took him out of the game, because that could have gone down, it was only 3 nothing. that could have got really bad if he threw another picker. He probably would have been, so, like, too demoralized. Well, it's almost, I mean, it's a, almost a metaphor for like the kicking game as well you know you he had two chances <laughs> to kick a field goal you missed both and so you don't go back to that same well again so I, again it's different with a quarterback but you look at a guy like kevin hogan who he even provided what was it, what game was that the baltimore game that he came in right after after just showing through an interception before he, halftime he did do that but he also led a touchdown drive and he just he ha- has a way of moving the ball just getting first downs you know we had so many drives Early on, I think in that Cincinnati game where it's just all three and outs, just no time of possession. That helps with the run game, too. Kevin Hogan did a really good job in the short and intermediate passing game that moved the ball a lot better than anything Deshaun Kaiser was doing on Sunday. And Hogan has the benefit, although it's only his second year in the league, he played a lot in college, really ran that Stanford offense for a long time, had a really you know prolific career there. Kaiser's just he came out early in the draft for, I mean I don't blame him because Brian Kelly's kind of a 
idiot, so I don't think I'd want to play for him either. Well, when you have the the big time, you have the big arm, you're big, and you can run, you know, those are three qualities that people, like quarterback coaches, are just like, oh, we can work with that. You know, they don't pay attention to whether he's an accurate passer, which I said it, it during the combine that Deshaun's not an accurate passer. He was inaccurate to no defenders at the combine. So it, it's frustrating that, that things like that don't get cleaned up, but a guy like Kevin Hogan who – like you said, went to, uh, ran a Stanford pro offense, and you know he, he steps right in like it's nothing and, and gets the job done. If Kevin Hogan was two inches taller, probably would have a starting job or would have been picked higher than the fifth round by the Chiefs. He looks like Woody from Toy Story. If just if you want to look that up after this, I, I was thinking about it yesterday on the plane. I was just like, man, he looks a lot like Woody. But looking back, we we talked a little bit about that try instead of going for the field goal and going for the touchdown instead i mean it was that do you think maybe the quarterback change had some sort of influence on that like it had deshaun kaiser been in the game you know do they settle for three points or because they had kevin kevin hogan in and he was moving the ball is that maybe a reason why they thought they were going to be able to execute that play my view on it was that because they're zero and four hugh jackson was like you know we could tie this game but Let's just try to make a statement at home, try to score. And if we can't get a first down from two yards out, are we really going to be able to win the game? Yeah. But, I mean, they dominated every facet of the game. It's it's honestly, I haven't seen too many games that really end up you know, one side, so one-sided and end up with that team losing. Well, they led a bunch of great drives and then finished them with turnovers instead of touchdowns Yeah, or field goals. And I, I, I mean, I hate to keep pounding the dead horse, but how does this keep happening? Like what? I get your young team, but I mean, Hugh Jackson has preached ever since he's been here that he doesn't stand for no, tur- or he stands for no turnovers. So how does this keep happening? I, I tr- it, it's mind blowing. Yeah, I'm at a loss, too. Writing the recap after the game yesterday, I pretty much just said I really don't know how to explain what's happening. It's almost just like you're watching the same bad movie over and over. And what, what, So, for example, when they got down and he pitched it, to, uh, Kaiser pitched it to Crowell on the option and Crowell dropped it, there was not even any shock from me. It was just, yep, I could see that happening. Because they, they've proven this year that they cannot punch it in the end zone. And when they do, it's a total shock. Yeah, I I was literally watching the game and that happened on the plane and I think I was just like what oh, yeah, okay, I guess that's what we're going to do now. I mean, you could have just he could have fallen down and they would have been able to kick a field goal. And the fact that they simple things, the simplest of things, just toss it to your buddy. Toss it like after practice they're walking together, I'm sure Deshaun Kaiser tosses that to him. They toss a football like that just to him all to, all the time and they can't do it in the game. It's so easy, and they can't even execute that, which I guess is, looking in hindsight, probably the reason why they should have kicked a field goal. But, oh, my goodness. The That's execution. the problem with those plays. It's it's the cla- it's every single time. If they score a touchdown, gutsy move. If they don't get it, why did they kick the field goal? It's like, how many times do people have to say this for just whatever the decision is? The hindsight's always going to be there. He was trying to be gutsy, and yet you don't expect – First off, the option call was dumb. Terrible I don't understand call. why they're running an option. I, I get we're, we don't have any of the talent. Like I saw Carolina run a triple option with McCaffrey, who came like back across the offensive line with Cam, like it was a really well designed play. But the Browns don't have 
the ability to do that. And if they do, I'm sure they'd screw it up just as bad as, <laughs> as what they already did. So uh, do you think with Kevin Hogan that they have a, a more expanded playbook? And that's why, you know, we see some of the, the gimmicky play calls with Deshaun Kaiser versus Kevin Hogan, who seems to be more comfortable. Well, Kevin Hogan's been learning the system for over a year now, so it's possible. I just think he also looks better, too, because teams may not prep for him as much. So I don't think it makes a humongous difference, but it is a thing where backup quarterbacks come in and sometimes light it up because yeah, the teams don't yeah. have as much tape on them. Matt Flynn, Colin Kaepernick, I mean, they all used to... I, I, I agree with that. I mean, True, I, yeah, Kaepernick's I first year was came in late in the year and just went to the Super Bowl. Well, that's when they had the, the decision between him and Alex Smith. And, and look at Alex Smith. I yeah. wanted to touch on uh, this point. Just, I remembered it uh, just by talking about Alex Smith. But you, you talk about benching Deshaun Kaiser and what that means to his confidence level, even if it, if it does happen to be the remainder of the year. Look at a guy like Pat Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes came in and lit it up in the preseason, too. And while the Chiefs are a completely different franchise in terms of win-loss Best record, team in the NFL right now. <laughs> yeah. For, for a guy like Mahomes, though, it's it's the same situation as Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser. Like, you know the ability's there, and you want to get out and prove it. But you should also understand that you can't go in and do what Deshaun is doing and posting a 49-and-a-half quarterback rating. You know, the ability's there, but you've got to take a step back and, and make sure that you're ready to play before you go out and cost your team victories like Deshaun Kaiser's doing. But it's also not a bad thing. Like You're still going to be the guy. It's just about being patient and, and realizing that it's about bettering yourself and not that you're doing such a bad job. You know, It's more about self-improvement more, over, more than anything. At this point at 0-5, they can pretty much try anything because it doesn't matter. They're not going to win. They're not going to the playoffs. Put They're not going to win more than, there. I'd say, three games. And that's just, They're not going to win more than... <laughs> if they even get there, I'd be surprised. And you can't even play the schedule game either because it's so unpredictable with this team. But at this point, if they want to have Hogan start maybe up until the bye week and have Kaiser come back, I don't think it's a, a bad thing. It's frustrating, but, I mean, this team's not being built around Kevin Hogan. If it's being built around either of the two, it would be around Kaiser. Why not, though? I mean, it, it, I get that he's not six four, Mr. Gunslinger, but... 16 of 19 for 194 yards and two touchdowns with an interception that wasn't necessarily his fault. It wasn't pretty good, pretty good outing. Even if I agree, I just think this team, this front office is no intention of building around Kevin Hogan. Didn't he start last year a game and didn't play that well? Or he, it was the Bengals. He played He came in against the Bengals when Kessler got hurt and had like a hundred rushing yards. Yeah. But there was a, didn't he start a game after that? And it wasn't very good either. Like he actually, I think played a full game and it like when a team had enough film to game plan for him, you can fact check that. I'll just sit here and ramble for a little bit. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Kaiser gets killed. You know, if, if he is put on the bench in terms of the, in the, in the eyes of the front office and coaching staff. You know, I, I think they, like you said, they're not building it around Kevin Hogan. He's still the guy. But you just got to be able to, to hone your mechanics and just become an accurate passer as the bare minimum prerequisite to be in the NFL as a starting quarterback. Two things. Hogan does look like Woody from Toy Story. <laughs> and he did not start a game. It was just that Bengals game. He appeared oh, okay. in some other games in some wildcat formations. Ooh. He's also listed as 6'3". That's pretty good. That's decent size. I mean, when Kansas City drafted him, I thought that was I, I thought that was a good. It was pick. weird fifth round, and they got Cut rid him. of him. 
Yeah. So maybe maybe the Browns found one. It's very unlikely, but at this point, like you said, it's at their own five. They got to do whatever they can to win, and I think that's what showed on Sunday with Hugh Jackson's decision to pull uh, bench to Sean Kaiser. Do you want to talk about some good things from the game? Because I would love to just touch on Miles Garrett's uh, sack to snap count ratio. We went twenty, almost twenty eight minutes without talking about Miles Garrett and. I'm so happy you brought it up because I kind of forgot how awesome was that first play when he was in the he game. Almost, it was a classic Josh McCown play. Stare down the defense oh, until yeah. they come kill you. <laughs> I, that, he looks so fast on that first play. He's still hurt, too. Oh, my goodness. And it he was, just blew through the middle. Yeah. It just it crunched him. It, thank God Josh McCown started to like go down before well, as soon oh, yeah, as he, he realized. <laughs> I, I, I truly believe that a lot of this defense is schemed around having a player like Garrett in there. So when he's in there, those like that play call, if that was Carl Nassib, probably wouldn't have worked as well. Nope. Um, but with Garrett in there, it's a whole new style of play, and he wasn't even 100%. He looks like, just, I mean, being out there looks like a man among boys. He He's bigger than everyone else out there. He's faster than everybody else out there. I mean, there, I think he got beat on an end around. Like, I, I was watching him specifically on that play. He kind of got beat, and he still almost chased the guy down, like, four yards downfield. Well, there was a play where he was one-on-one with the running back, and the announcers were like, oh, not really good play there. I think we're I'm talking like, about the same He's not going to catch this, this. It was one-on-one, yeah. and he was, you know, facing the running back with a hurt ankle and still nearly made the play. It wasn't like he just whiffed or anything. Yeah. He's he's a treasure to watch, and he, he had the second. He had a couple times, too, where I thought he was going to get to the quarterback, but... I am worried about the ankle a little bit because he was hobbling towards the end of the game. So I'm wondering if it's just soreness or, you know, still he not He said he was 100%. just sore, which I think is just a side effect of not really going full blast on it for a month. Yeah. But, I mean, I can't wait to see when that guy's at 100% consistently. You know, you talk about – you look at guys like Jadeveon Clowney last night and he was kind of injury-riddled for his first couple of years. And when he was finally healthy, he really showed why he was the number one overall pick. And I think – Miles Garrett is trending in that direction as well. Another positive we touched on, the catches of David Njoku, another first-round pick. First-round picks are playing pretty well. Peppers is struggling struggling a bit. I don't know how much of that is on Peppers or how much of it is on the fact that he didn't play safety till he showed up here. I don't think he's playing terribly. I don't think the schemes are that great. But the first-round picks in general are looking much better than most first-round picks from Brown's past. Agreed. Miles Garrett was the no-brainer. Joku finally, you know, I don't know what it is about just not getting him the ball enough early on, or Seth DeValve being more open than Joku. But man, that guy! Talk about having guys who can't catch the ball. That guy finally, we, it looks like we found someone who can make a play, and that one-handed catch was pretty spectacular, <laughs> even if it was a little bit overthrown. But I'll take it. My frustrating, one. my frustrating thing is that these guys are playing so well like in spots it's yeah. duke johnson had a great game and joke had a great game garrett did mccordy looks good all these players and then the team still loses it's the way this team is built it's almost like we'll get one decent guy per position group and we'll see how it goes from there i think if they can just and this is really tough but tough it out for one more year i think this is their plan they have so many picks next year and still a ton of money left They've, they're going to bring in more and more veterans, I think, next year. I hope. They, I, I hope so, too, because at this point, that's that's the only thing that's really 
keeping probably any hope or optimism left is that you know there is one more year this year was not the targeted year and and Jimmy Haslam knows that a a continuity is very important and I think if you're going to keep something it should be the coaching staff but uh, Sashi Brown's talent evaluation remains to be seen so let's hope that they can at least put some veterans on the roster next year they're putting up the same kind of production that we're seeing from McCordy and and the other except for Kenny Britt we don't want his production he's terrible I didn't miss him at all on Sunday it was glorious it was their best receiving game of the year for the team holy crap I mean I just forgot that he didn't play and it like good we shouldn't play him the rest of the year play Bryce Treggs play the crazy thing is anybody I'd rather play Jordan Leslie on a torn hamstring than Kenny Britt so the the front office picks 53 guys, but the coaches say, we're not dressing seven of them. And as Hugh Jackson could every week say, Kenny Britt's not dressing. You guys can pay him. Don't care. Which is what they used to do with Dwayne Bowe. Mike Pettin would do. Be like, oh, that's fine. He could be on the team, but we're not playing him. Well, Dwayne, we'll keep you on the injury report with this uh, ankle or uh, sprained ankle, and you can just ride the bike and hang out at practice. Like, if that's what they want to do with Kenny Britt, so be it. Yeah, it was their best... I'd say a best game because they weren't dropping every pass. There were a few, still well, a few, just, but they were, Deshaun Kaiser was dropping the ball, <laughs> dropping it to Isaiah Crowell and turning it over to the other team. If they can just, as long as Kevin Hogan doesn't do that, I think they're already in a better chance to win, a better situation to win than they, than they currently are. I want to look ahead to this Sunday. They are playing. The Texans, I believe they opened up as double-digit dogs. Twelve, I think 12 and a half was what I heard. Is there any hope that they will win this game? Uh, I don't think – there's no hope that they're going to win, I don't think. I think a lot of people are hoping that it's close and that Deshaun Watson sucks because he lit it up again last night and I went, to get him in, went against him in fantasy and he – made me lose so he's he's lighting it up so far this year and you know it makes the browns look like once again they passed on a franchise quarterback because carson wentz had a hell of a day himself yesterday so Jared i, I Goff's think pretty good too yeah i think that's that's what browns fans are hoping for which is like we we want the guys that we passed on not to play well even though the guy that we drafted is sitting on the bench <laughs> you know oh gosh it's going to be – it'll be a nice tune-up game for the Texans next week in my anticipation. They will be without J.J. Watt, so maybe the maybe Crowell will finally get that 200 rushing yard game. And Whitney Merciless. He's out for the year. That's rough. That's a rough uh, rough go for J.J. Watt. He's – I mean, that's the name of the game. Can't stay healthy. That's part of the That's part of the deal. So good for the Browns, bad for the Texans. Maybe maybe I'll change my, my tune towards the end of the week, but I think that would even get them to cover because right now I don't think the Browns are even going to cover that game by a mile. No, Deshaun Watson's lighting it up. And this defense gave up 17 to the Jets. To be fair, that's they, the offense kept giving the ball away. But well, you think there's how, many, how many guys in the secondary you think are going to cover? Just DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, and who's the other one they have out there? They, used to have, they have Braxton Miller, but I don't think he plays too much. They'll do the classic thing what they did the other week. Well, they'll just be like, they'll put Peppers one on one on somebody, even though he's not a cover corner or a corner. Like when he was one on one with AJ Green. Yeah. What a ballsy call by Greg Williams yeah. to put your rookie safety one on one with one of the best receivers in the league. I I think, and we talked about you know Hugh Jackson getting at least three years. I, using the the Texans example of, of just sticking with Bill O'Brien, I know he's gotten a lot of flack in recent years. 
But maybe he did find something in Deshaun Watson. And I'm not saying that Hugh Jackson's doing a bad job or that Kaiser's bad, like Tom Savage bad or, you know, Brock Osweiler bad. But maybe it's just you need to keep a guy there long enough so you can just build around somebody. And then you then you find a guy like Deshaun Watson because you can't you're not going to make this defense dominant by blowing it up every two years. So as bad as Bill O'Brien was in the first I don't know three two three four years, you know maybe they're starting to see the fruits of that labor, you know, and that's that's what the Browns fans need to hope for. My biggest problem, kind of wrapping up here, um, just a viewpoint to have everyone thinking on a Monday. My biggest problem with the Browns and consistently trading out of picks, for example, when they could have taken Wentz or they could have taken Watson, is when a team calls you and offers you a bundle of picks and you know who they're going to take, stop trying to think that you're outsmarting them and maybe sit back for a minute and say, why does this team want to trade me their future picks for Deshaun Watson? Why, Why are the Eagles about to trade all this for Carson Wentz? Why did the Rams trade up for Goff? It's the Browns. I swear, Sashi Brown is always like rubbing his hands together, like, "Oh, we really fleeced them this time." And then Watson's throwing for five touchdowns a game. They try. They think they're smarter than everybody else in the room, and it's every front office that comes in has that same mindset. And there's a guy that just got fired from Washington. Um, there's also my sleeper pick of who the next GM should be if they should if they fire Sashi Brown, which is Peyton Manning, but. I'll leave that. We'll, we'll save that one for the off season. Uh, there's a guy that just got fired out in Washington, Scott McLuhan. He was part of the Seattle rebuild. He built Seattle into the Legion of Boom, and during their Super Bowl years, went to the. Red, I think he helped the 49ers too when they had Jim Harbaugh out there. Went out to Washington, and I think got kind of a raw deal because Dan. He kind of got screwed over there. Yeah, Dan Snyder's not the best of owners, but uh, probably the know, worst. He, yeah, he did put some good pieces around. Kirk Cousins and and that Washington team. So uh, if there's a guy that the Browns should bring in this offseason to help rebuild the team, it's Scott McLuhan. Maybe he would. The Browns are going to have a top five pick, maybe top three or even number one again. Maybe he would use it. Maybe even a risky play. Well, that's the that's the thing is a lot of people would say, well, I I think Hugh Jackson's job is safe because there's no way you can fire the coach because who the hell would want to come here? There's no way no one knows. Well, you ever... always find coaches, but it just wouldn't make anything better. Cause well, Hugh Jackson so... was the like the number one choice on everyone's list who needed a coach. So that's where like the Browns finally got that, you know, that guy versus the third or fourth option on their list, like a Mike Petton or something like that. When you have a front office opening, that's the with all the picks and ammo that the Browns have, that's a that's a golden ticket for a guy like Scott McLuhan that's just itching to stick it to whatever team screwed him. So I think that the front office job is a lot easier to be replaced with valid football guys or valid talent evaluators versus, you know, rebooting the entire coaching staff. Well, it's only week five or week six now. We're already talking about the the new front office. Yep. We'll hold off on that, but we will be back later this week. More front office. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't even talk about Peyton Manning. It's (laughs) we're going, we're coming, we're coming with it hard. Uh, but that is it for us we are excited about the indians we're excited about mitch trubisky starting for the bears monday night football he's gonna light it up northeast ohio this is probably the most anticipated game in northeast ohio all season yeah i'm excited to watch it'll be a good night for sports hopefully the indians can close it out i know weather's gonna be involved but i don't know 
how bad. So we'll know after we end this recording, but be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a very heartfelt, kind review or any review would be nice. And as always, thank you for listening.